welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. And welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. I am Adam Diamond, your host, and today with me I have a good friend who is from South Carolina but living in Canada now, Mr. Bryce Harrison. How's it going, buddy? It's good. It's good. Glad to be glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you, man. We don't get to talk very often. Um, so when you are church planting in Nova Scotia, but how? How in the world, man, did you come from South Carolina all the way up here? And, uh, you know, feel free to tell us a little bit about yourself. Your, do you have a wife, kids, et cetera? Let people know who you are. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I actually grew up, didn't grow up in South Carolina. I grew up moving a little bit of everywhere. Uh, lived in a military family and kind of moved all around the world from Germany and uh, and different places across the state. So grew up moving around a lot. Uh, ended up kind of settling in South Carolina to go to school there, which is where I met my wife, Elizabeth. Um, yes, we now have two boys, uh, two boys, Coleman and Gilbert. Um, and so, yeah, we I originally kind of towards the end of my time in high school felt a call towards vocational ministry, towards the some type of uh, missions and went to went to Bible school uh, to try to kind of sort out what that what that call looked like and it was really towards the end of my time at university that um, the Lord really just uh, led me and and Elizabeth separately to really fall in love with the local church um, for her that really just happened from um, relationships that she was building at her local church, uh, ways that she was being invested in by um, by pastors and older ladies that were um, that were there, and just really saw that that was the way that that things were supposed to work. Um, and I, I remember that really first happening for me, uh, taking a, a class on the life and teachings of Paul, and walking out of class one day and saying, "Man, I really wish that I could do what Paul did." and uh, travel to to other places and and plant churches to see churches started, uh, and then I, I guess I kind of realized in the next thought that I think that actually was still a thing that church planting was something that people did, um, and so that really just started me kind of looking into that that process, looking into what that would look like, and um, had a, a pastor who was about to plant in the town near where our university was reach out to me and say that they were looking for young guys to come on staff with them who uh, had an eye towards planting, but wanted to come and just get meaningful reps serving with them and seeing what church planting looked like, kind of a peek behind the curtain um, that they could then stay committed to and disciple and train and and eventually send out. Um, So he told me uh, when you're, kind of looking for a church that you can serve at. You can look for three things. You can look for a place that you love um, with people who love you. You can look for somewhere that you can do uh, kind of front lines ministry and do really meaningful work. Um, And you can look for a place where you can get paid and that he would offer two of those three. (laughs) Um, And so we, we, uh, we kind of jumped right on with the internship there. I worked a part-time job to, 
to be able to pay the bills. And Elizabeth worked a couple part-time jobs as well. Um, and we just stayed around and invested in the church, finished seminary, and let them kind of help us to start to sort out what that would look like. And those uh, really kind of six to seven years of, of getting a lot of reps, uh, preaching, teaching, helping to lead different small groups and different ministries, and really just uh, start practicing what does it look like to to be and to help lead the local church, uh, just really more than anything kind of confirmed that call in our lives that that was what the Lord had uh, led us to do. Um, and as we started sorting out what, where we would do that, what would it look like to, to go plant ourselves? Um, I had lots of friends that were going overseas, maybe to go do that in, in kind of third world context. And originally that's what I envisioned myself doing when I felt a call to missions with something akin to Indiana Jones with a Bible, but <laughs> whacking my way through the jungle somewhere. Right. Um, but as I, as I kept kind of trying to sort out where the Lord was calling us to, um, I had grown up in, in Germany for a few years, like I said, and then also some in the Pacific Northwest and just knew um, that there were lots of unreached people in reached people groups. Um, and so one thing that was making me uneasy with like missions conferences that I was attending was almost this unspoken perception that, that the elite among us, the, the A-team kind of go to unreached people groups and go to the third world. And then uh, those who can't settle for ministry in first world Western context. And I just knew that first world Western context were lost and unreached enough and were hard places to plant and required um, people with a real calling and passion to reach them. And so we started looking at what would it look like to plant um, even outside of the States, but still in a, um, still in a Western English speaking first world context. Um, and so we, we looked, we looked at a few different places, but one that the Lord kept putting our, on our hearts was what would it look like to come to Canada? Uh, we had several people specifically ask us if that's something that we would consider. Uh, cause, uh, I guess not surprisingly when people are trying to decide where they're going to go do ministry and, uh, doing it in the tropics of the Caribbean is an option. They tend to go to warmer climates rather than moving to colder climates. Um, but we love the cold. We love the snow. Uh, we love hockey and Anne of Green Gables. Uh, and so we were really excited about the idea of what would it look like to, to come to Atlantic Canada. And so we made our first visit up here in 2016 and to Halifax and loved it immediately. And so we basically kept coming back for a trip uh, pretty much every year since then, bringing different pastors, different uh, team members from our church to come help us kind of discern is this where the Lord's calling us to. And it just felt like a good fit for our family. It was affirmed by our local church and by our pastors. And we had others, other team members that uh, started to catch that vision and say, hey, what, it would, what would it look like for me to just also replant my life there? Not, um, not to go into full-time ministry, but uh, just to go be a church member and find a way to move, go to school, get a job in the area, um, and just be part of the church planting team. Uh, so the Lord really just, uh, I guess, kind of called us here by a, a series of green lights that, that kept coming um, through our through our church and 
um, through him just kind of continually leading in that direction. Right on. That, that's a great story, man. So um, part of what you mentioned was that uh, Canada is, uh, you know, kind of a hard place to plant. And that's been uh, a theme I've seen in uh, a few people I've talked to. I've talked to um, Harrison Kwok, who is planting in Whitehorse, Yukon. Uh, and he was mentioned about the hard, hard uh, soil there, basically, for starting a church there. So uh, let's get into that a little bit um, about like what it's like to plant here in Canada, uh, why it's so hard. But uh, yeah. tell me, where exactly are you planting? Where do you tend to start up this uh, church? Yeah, yeah. so we are, um, we're in the, in the HRM right now. Um, right now we live in Lower Sackville, but we are looking to plant in the Tantalan, St. Margaret's Bay area, which is um, just west of, of Halifax, um, just outside of the city. Okay. Um, and like the, the area just seems like a, a really good fit for us. We love, um, we've got some friends that live out that way. We love the area. And there's also just a, a real need for gospel preaching churches. Yeah. I actually have family in Lower Sackville. <laughs> oh, do you? Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I have an aunt and uncle and, um, a cousin who she married a couple of years ago, but, uh, yeah, then we, uh, we vacationed a lot actually to Halifax and Lower Sackville growing up. Love, love it there. Um, yeah. So like why, why that area and why does, why do they need a church? You mentioned that there's a need for a gospel. So why do you think they need a new church? Yeah. So one of the things when we first started coming up here, we, um, we knew that there were some churches in the area that were doing, um, that were doing some good work. Uh, so when we first came up, we were looking really for two things. Uh, we were looking for, is this a place that has a need for new local churches? Um, and then is this a place where God is moving, where he is already working and, and some good gospel seeds are being sown that we have partnerships that we can link arms with and come alongside of. Uh, and we really found both of those things in, in the greater Halifax area, uh, which has been encouraging to us to know that we're not kind of breaking uh, fresh ground, but that we're coming alongside of work that the Lord's already doing through other faithful local churches. Uh, and so as we have spent the last few years kind of going around getting to know different churches, different pastors in the area, um, what we've really looked at was here's some kind of areas of um, some key areas that seem like they need uh, need churches, need um, some momentum. And then let's let's kind of dive in and look at each of those areas and find out if something's going on there or if there's really not much of anything going on there. And so as we kind of started going through uh, that list and looking at a few different communities around the around the HRM, um, we started connecting with some really good churches and saying, hey, like this community needs, you know, three to five more really healthy churches. But but right now there is at least one church that's doing some really good work. Um, and Tantalan was one of just one of those areas where we didn't find much at all. Um, there's a, we have some good friends that are, um, have a church in Timberley, which is maybe, you know, uh, 15 minutes down the road, but it also feels like kind of a geographical divide from people that live in Tantalan. Uh, some of them live in Tantalan, but go to church in Timberley and they've been some of the ones that have helped like lead the charge for us of saying, Hey, Tantalan really needs a good, healthy local church. Um, we invite a lot of our neighbors to come to church with us and they uh, are just not 
it's a it's a bridge too far to not only uh, come to church when that's something they're not already comfortable with, but then also to drive out to Timberley to come do it, whereas they would be much more likely to to come to poke their head in the door and see what's going on if it was something that was kind of here in this community for this community. Yeah, that's great, man. Um, so what kind of church um, do you and Elizabeth think and your team, um, do you think you'll be planting? What What do you envision? Yeah, so that's we're kind of at a really exciting stage for that right now as we are still in this pre-launch phase and we can kind of dream and start to shape what the DNA of the, the church is going to look like. Um, one thing that I uh, have been struck by um, and and really started to, to get passionate about, and I think this goes back a little bit to the question about hard soil too, is that we just live in a a time and an age and a culture where um, <clears throat> where people are constantly uprooted. Uh, one of the really dri- like driving forces of our our day and age right now is. Um, to sever any kind of uh, objective, really any kind of objective route. Uh, instead, we are we're taught, taught and we're told that we are <clears throat> essentially blank canvases, uh, kind of masters of our own fate, mm-hmm. and that our, that our lives are a blank canvas, that we can do anything and be anything that we want. Uh, and I think what we're starting to see is that that's, uh, is that's really paralyzing to people. Um, I mean, if you think about it from the perspective of being a kid who's growing up now, I mean, you used to have to uh, make really hard decisions like, you know, what what job what job are you going to have and who are you going to marry? What, you know, what career are you going to go into? Um, and those were things that, you know, that kids had to eventually come to the point where they made, made decisions like that. And that was part of the growing up process. Um, but now, even from an early age, like there's just an infinite number of things put in front of them of, uh, decisions that they've got to make with no real um, firm guidelines for how to do that. And so I think what we're what we're going to see over the next number of years uh, is people just growing increasingly anxious uh, because they don't have anything firm to tether themselves to. They don't have anything that's uh, uh, that's set in stone. Everything is pretty much uprooted, and we we live with both feet planted in in the middle of the air. Um, and so I think what we, one of the things that we see in the gospel and that we see in, in the world that God created is that he gives us some really firm tethers um, that we live into uh, identity that God created us for, that he uh, fashioned the world in a specific way, and that living in wisdom looks like it kind of living in grain with the universe the way he created it. Um, he roots us in the work of Christ the kind of unchanging, permanent, forever work of Jesus. Uh, And then he gives us a local church to belong to. Uh, And I think as we see Jesus kind of unpacking the kingdom through the Gospels and what does it look like, one of the prevailing themes of of Jesus' teaching is that we conform to the kingdom and not the other way around, that Jesus brings a kingdom that subverts our expectations, uh, that changes us, uh, and when we decide to come and follow Jesus, it is different than we expected, and it challenges us in ways that we didn't expect to be challenged. Uh, but then we find it beautiful and compelling, uh, and it's better than we could have ever imagined. Uh, and so I think we want to find a way to live that out as the local church, to say, hey, we want to be a people who are 
rooted in the things that the Lord has given us, the unchangeable, unshakable things that He's given us. We want to be people who who kind of lean into the spiritual disciplines, who are about prayer and fasting and and spending time in the Word together, to lean into the local church um, and do that in a way that that subverts our expectations and and changes us. Um, so, we, like, we just want to lean into a belief that. Um, for instance, like when I'm having a really rough day and, uh, I, I mean, maybe I get back late from work and haven't had time to give the, feed the kids dinner. Um, like that would be a really easy time to say, Hey, I'm just going to, you know, probably bow out of coming to community group tonight or, Hey, we've got, you know, we just got back from family vacation late Saturday night and, um, we'll just take this week off from attending Sunday morning, um, and instead, I think we want to say, like, no, those times when the kingdom and being part of the people of God presses in on us and makes us a little uncomfortable, those are actually the times when that are the most formative for the Lord kind of making us into the types of Jesus' people that he wants us to be. So why do you think you're, that this area needs this type of church specifically? Yeah, um, I think be, like I think there's because there's actually like a, a kind of a strange compellingness to it. Um, I think when uh, for a lot of times we've tried to um, almost kind of market, uh, hey, uh, come be part of the church, come follow Jesus. It's actually it's actually really easy, um, and we'll make it as convenient and accommodating as possible. And I think what that does is it just builds the Christian life as something different than it actually is. And I don't think it's as compelling as we, as we think it is. Um, so I played, I played soccer when I was at university and one of the analogies that I used to use, uh, talking with some of the guys on our team was, man, when I was like coming on my recruiting visits to come decide where I was going to play, if a coach had told me, Hey, you can come here and, um, just practice whenever you want. Like, if you want to come to practice, you can come to practice. Um, but if you want to just show up to the games, you can show up to the games. And we are, uh, we're really not about conditioning. So you don't have to run very much. Um, just do the parts of, just do the parts of soccer that seem fun to you. Um, like I would not have gone to school there. Uh, not, not because I love to run. Like I hated running sprints. And there were times when it was really hard to drag your butt out of the bed, you know, bed at five o'clock in the morning to go to, to go to practice. Um, but there was some, there was just something not compelling at all about, uh, Hey, come and, you know, just engage as much as you want to engage and do whatever, whatever seems comfortable. Like I knew in the end result that was going to not produce, a team or, or it was not going to make me into the type of player that I wanted to eventually become. Like I needed to go somewhere um, where I was going to have a coach that kind of called me to something outside of myself to, uh, you know, that I had to rise to that occasion. And I think the same thing is true for all of us. Uh, even if we, even if we have a hard time realizing it and admitting it, I think there's something compelling about um, a group of people that follow Jesus that say, Hey, come um, lean in even past the point that it makes you uncomfortable. Um, come join something that's bigger than you, that's outside of you, and is a role that you're not ready for. 
uh, like being a follower of Jesus, being a disciple of the kingdom is going to require something from you that you don't yet have. And you're going to have to grow into that, into that relationship. Um, can be intimidating, but I think it's also compelling. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that's one of the reasons that that we need a church like that, um, that we need to that we need to be uh, sharing the gospel and the kingdom that way. Is because I think whether we realize it or not, um, that that's what's going to give people an appetite for for actually coming to follow Jesus. You mentioned there's a few churches in the area. Like, have you been able to connect with them at all, or sit down with any of the pastors there and see what they say about the community? Yeah. So we, um, so I've been able to. We've we've gotten to know actually the first church that we ever connected with when we came up here is the church in Timberley, and so I've spent a lot of time with with their elders. A lot of them kind of live in the area, and so I've spent a lot of time kind of talking to them and um, kind of getting the lay of the land from them. Um, and then, um, uh, just north of us, um, in, uh, Hammond's Plains, uh, is, uh, is another church that we were able to attend, um, on a Sunday morning when we were up a couple of years ago and, and got to, to talk with the pastor a little bit, um, after, after church. And he was really excited to hear that we were looking to plant in Tantalan and said, um, they're, they, they're, uh, growing really well and have, have a lot of, uh, people attending on Sunday, but that he would love to have some other churches in the area that they could really sit down with and think, how do we reach this community immediately around us a little bit better instead of only having people traveling from outside of the community in. Um, so I think there's some opportunities for some really good, uh, key partnerships, but there's also, um, there's also not a lot of, um, you know, evangelical churches in the area to begin with. So, I mean, first of all, there's just a need for churches, period. Um, but then there does seem to be some, some really key partnerships we can lean into as well. What do you think it would be like if you compare church planting in South Carolina and church planting in Halifax, Nova Scotia? Well, what are the biggest differences that you're seeing? Yeah, so, so well, so I think one um, one big difference is that in South Carolina, you can— um, it's a lot easier to plant a church and then um, grow just because people in the community become aware of the fact that you're there mm-hmm. and more people are kind of already looking for a church to go belong to. Um, so I think for us, like we planting here, one of the things that we have to lean into from the beginning is um, that there's just more uh, kind of like evangelistic work on the front end that's required if we want to to build the church um, from the beginning, um, to be healthy from the beginning. Like there's going to have to be people who were, full at, you know, who right now are far from Jesus or not a part of a local church at all, um, who then become uh, followers of Jesus, who start coming, who start um, checking us out rather than just people who are already church shopping. Uh, so that would be that would be one big difference. Um, I think a, a kind of a positive difference in in addition to that would be because there's so many um, because there's so many churches um, in in South Carolina, and I, again, like even even there, even in the Bible Belt of the South, there is still a need for planting new healthy churches. Um, just because there's a lot of church buildings doesn't mean there's enough church health to actually meaningfully reach the population. Um, but because there are 
a, a greater number of churches, it's easier to to kind of only partner within your uh, within your circles, to only kind of partner within your denomination, um, because there's just plenty of partnerships to go around. I think what um, planting here uh, uh, requires of us uh, and affords us is just kind of greater partnership, like reaching across some some different cultural or theological boundaries um, because there's just less churches to partner with. And so it just requires us to be a little bit more open-handed uh, with how we pursue the kingdom together. So I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's different levels you can work at people with, right? Even if you don't believe the same things theologically, as long as you believe the main distinctives, right? Like who Jesus is, what he came to do, um, the Trinity, all that stuff, right? As long as we can hone in on that. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of stuff we could work together on. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. That that's great. Um, uh, how can we and you know anyone listening to this pray for you and Elizabeth and your team as you you know continue to work towards planting a church there? Yeah. Um, so we have. Um, at first, I'd say we have a we have a few um, really key kind of blossoming relationships with um, with people who are right now on the outside looking in who are curious about Jesus and what it would look like to be part of his church, um, but who are not yet uh, following disciples, uh, but ha- that we have go- grown really close to. Um, and so I think mostly just c- to pray for them, that the Lord will continue to work in their hearts and, and bring them into the fold. And we're really excited about even the prospect that when, you know, that when we plant, um, we could have a number of core team members who at the time when we moved up here were not believers, because um, that just encourages us that not only is the is the church kind of being planted and getting off the ground, but the kingdom is really growing, uh, and seeing um, seeing people who will one day stand before Jesus's throne uh, who who otherwise would not have. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, and then also just keep praying for our core team to continue to grow and develop, that the Lord would call the right people to come alongside the work. Um, we'd love to see, you know, another, a, a few more families, um, some more couples uh, to kind of come on in, in leadership and to, to have a similar call and passion for Tantalan and seeing the gospel made known and in ordinary ways, but um, but to just kind of come plant themselves in in uh, long obedience in that area. For sure, that's great. Well, thanks for joining me, Bryce. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was it was great to jump on and talk to you. And for those of you listening, uh, catch us again next week and same t- same place, same time. Take care. You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mileonemission.ca.